smell like money. And now, live from smell Today like FM San Francisco studio. It's Repeat Live. Roland, kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Rebecca Hollis and welcome to Rebecca Live, episode 315. That emo song before that Dom just played through got me all feeling emo about feeling like a man, feeling like trying to do good things to help the world. Uh, welcome to Rebecca Live. We talk about three things, commerce, community and culture. This little mini intersection with the overarching symbol goal of helping New Zealanders win. I have a goal, I have this idea, you know, New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And it's just something I've said to myself for a while. It's like, how can, what can I do to help others do their own little part? Coming up on today's show, um, well, not only do we have the show here, we've got, uh, we're chatting to the founder of Time Out Charity, which helps Kiwis suffering from terminal illnesses by providing them with a wonderful holiday home experience, which is super cool. A very good thing, helping others. Uh, my learn, share, repeat guest for today is the one and only Phil, the weapon that is Lillian Grace, the CEO of Figure Group. And after one o'clock, Kelly Beaumont, the director and founder of Release, joins me. Um, it's an award-winning New Zealand virtual assistant company, which is super cool as well. We've got Tadeo Time, Young Bucks, and a lot more. Question of the day. Well, actually, before question of the day, uh, I'm back in San Francisco. Got on a little plane, went through Fiji. That was fun. Got back through. And uh, now back in Silicon Valley in, in San Francisco. So getting right back into the mix of the world of business and technology. And, oh, there's a lot of stuff happening here at the moment. We're talking about Web3 and crypto and NFTs and all sorts of, all sorts of things, which are super cool. Uh, question of the day. I've been back in New Zealand for the, when I was there for the last couple of weeks. And I was getting the tone of the nation. The question of the day is this, if you're listening. What do you think is Aotearoa's biggest opportunity in the next 12 months to help us build back better. The world is opening up, the mandates are dropping down, people are starting to fly in, tourism's about to ramp up, technology's cranking out the door. Um, but one of the things I've thought about for the last couple of years is going, where is the olive branch or a magnet of commercial opportunity for us to potentially be able to use to attract commerce, global eyeballs and revenue and, bit, and you know a whole bunch that can actually come to the country to do good? What is New Zealand's biggest opportunity, you think, in the next 12 months to help us build back better? You can text me through on 3920, and the number to call is 0800 Today FM, which translates to, if you've got the old dialy phone, 863293. The time now is 12.05 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, it is 5.05 p.m. Bet Live on Today FM. And we are rolling into our number one for a bet live episode 315. I've done a few of these. I like interviewing Kiwis doing good things. I like to use the platform that we have to promote individuals and humans who are doing great stuff to help others, which I think is important. So my first guest this morning is Rhonda Amende from the founder of the charity Time Out. Each year, more than 24,000 people and their families, um, unfortunately, experience terminal Ill illness in New Zealand, which sucks. We've had, I've had friends go through it, people I know go through it, family friends go through it, and everyone that you know, usually someone has to go through some type of not nice thing. Time Out is a New Zealand non-for-profit charity. They provide holiday home experiences to terminally ill patients for them and their friends and their families to get together, to have hugs, have some good times, and really just try and, you know, set some awesome moments for them the rest of their, their whānau. Uh, they have a network of over 100 holiday homes around the country and through connections and generous home owners. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the show, Rhonda Amendi. Kia ora. Kia ora. How are you today? How's the Saturday going? What's bubbling? Where are you? What's popping? 
I'm in Browns Bay and we're out busy cutting down trees, doing our jobs. <laughs> Normal Saturday morning. The- there you go, Fano Life Admin. I love it. I love it. So talking about time out, it's an amazing charity doing good stuff. And I wanted to sort of get into the weeds a little bit. You know, this is yep. a charity that's, you know, really trying to build more of these connections and these moments for these families, which I think is super important when, you know, people are terminally ill and they don't have much time yeah. left to go and trying to really make the most of the time with those that they love and care about. So what made you start time out? Well, basically, I, I got that dreaded uh, diagnosis where I got told I had a year to live. And and through that kind of really tricky time with my young children, we got offered time out in a holiday home. We didn't own one. We, you know, your money's kind of all up in the air. I went from working full-time to not being able to work and all that kind of stuff. And it was probably the last thing we thought we should do. But it, Someone offering it, we went away and did it, and it was the best thing we could ever have done. It was the best thing that someone did for us when we were going through that hard time. You know, just being able to connect with each other, connect with my children, spend some quality time. We actually pretended it as if it wasn't happening. <laughs> um, yeah. It really helped us gain strength to, you know, pick up our shoes and get back into it when we came back and to make some really tough calls when we came back. Yeah. And so from that experience, you know, I'm blessed to still be alive, which is, you know, a miracle, and we're really grateful for it. But when you uh, face the mortality thing like that, you kind of make really careful decisions about what you spend Mm. your time on. And I decided when I was well enough to start time out so that others can have that same experience of of, um, time away. In a holiday home and so they could just build those connections. So I want to jump there for a second. You wake yep. up one day, you go to see a doctor or someone that's obviously a lot more educated and got a lot more certificates on the wall than <laughs> we probably would, and they sit you yep. down they're like, hey, uh, you know, how's your day going? Hope it was a good, Rhonda. Quick thing, uh, you're going to die in nine months. <laughs> Is that, like, talk me through the headspace of perspective shift when you have a conversation like that that just grounds you back to reality with the actual perspective yeah. of, of life and, and mortality because I'm, I'm really I'm yeah. interested to know where the, where the head goes when you have an actual conversation like a real conversation like that yeah it, it was um, it, mine was in two stages first I got told I had cancer they didn't tell me it was stage four at that stage and then a week later when I was talking to an oncologist he broke the news to me and he w- he used the strange word that um, it's palliative care and I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And, and you know, I my sister had flown over from Australia to support my husband and I in this big meeting and, and you know, we had kind of thought, yes, we're going to fight this, so I'm going to got all my whānau around me to really kind of do the best we could with it. And then he started using this palliative care word and I... we had to stop him and ask what does that mean and then he said oh do you not know that you there's no cure here this this is just about giving you quality of life um and trying to get you as much time as possible and so yeah real really numb really Mm. numb kind of go into a bit of shock um so yeah i'm i'm interested Rhonda, for this moment right when you know, yeah. I had this idea in my head, not that to be retired by 30, but have options was my word, options by 30. And then yeah. when you get 
a moment like that and they're talking about palliative care and that they're just essentially resetting your life for like, oh, yeah, hey, quick thing, you're probably going to die. How yeah. did your head, and I'm really interested from a, like so many CEOs I know and so many busy people, they're always so busy, 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 and it's just everything's yeah. urgent, everything's crazy, and everything's gnarly. How has your headspace prioritised your life and what you choose to do since someone tells you you're you're going to die? Like, how did your brain rewire to prioritize what is actually important in your life? And talk me through that because yeah. I'm really interested. Yeah, I kind of think I come, well, what's the word? Compartmentalize it. So just take one era of my life at a time. And, and most of the time, one day at a time because you can't plan. All I know is that I'm, I've got till my next scan, that's when I'm likely to live. And then in my next scan, I'll know you know, what my next prognosis is and know how, you know, how much I've got. And I've been having scans every three months since 2013. So in that headspace, I'm like, my family's really important. Um, my relationships are really important. So I spend as much time with them as possible. And so often I'm not doing things that necessarily I would have done because I think spending time with my family is really important. But at the same time, I've continued to work full-time through the whole thing with the company that I was working for before I got sick, and that zealed. And to me, working was really, really important and contributing to my family's finances as much as possible to support my kids and give them opportunities while I could was really important. So it's not like you suddenly turn off being a CEO or a, yep. you know whatever you, your your roles are in the in the business world it wasn't about that it was just trying to get that really good balance and making sure the time with my family was quality time and we were building memories all the time yeah. but at the same time doing my damnedest to to still bring in money and and make sure you know there was some stability there for my family financially mm. so on that I don't want to ask a morbid question but when you go to right, an employer and say, "Hey, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm quick question. I'm terminally ill. Does this affect my either my insurance or my my work employee benefits? Like, how does, how does, how do you navigate even the the commercial realities of like, oh, I've got these, you know, like that whole there's there's this funky yeah. almost commercial element because I'm guessing a lot of people are like, oh, you know, geez, thirteen, like that's almost almost 10 years ago, so it's this crazy, awesome miracle which has kept going. But I'm sure there's probably been some yeah. awkward, awkward conversations commercially. You're like, ah, oh. sorry for living? <laughs> like, how, yeah. do you, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, look, my, my, our CEO, and he's now the chairperson, um, David Kelly, has been incredible. And, you know, I talked to the three founders of Zeld when I first got sick. And, and funnily enough, they promoted me the week before I got diagnosed and it hadn't been announced yet. Yeah. And I was moving into the senior leadership team. And then I had to come to them and say, look, you know, this is what's going on. And, and I said, but at the same time, I don't want to quit. I want to yeah. I want to still work. It's important for me to still work. And I said, look, can we arrange something that's mutu- mutually beneficial to us both? And we, they, they basically drew me up another job description and I went to work wow. on that. And it was project-based, which was really easier, a lot easier nice. to do and take time out when I needed was too sick to be there. But it, it's interesting since then, um, you know, I've got the same diagnosis, but David came to me and said, will you be our GM? Let's you know, go. Um, yeah, and, and I'm like, are you sure? Because you can't count on me, you know, I'm, I'm living in these three months. <laughs> you can't count on me. <laughs> but, 
yeah, you know, and it's having those big discussions. Well, if I can have you for three months, it's better than not having you. And I just want you to get in there and do, you know, do do the mahi basically. And so we've had a really close relationship over the years and had some really, like you're saying, frank and honest conversations about what I can commit to and can't do and and about how, you know, I've never kind of conned myself thinking I've got longer than what I had to live, but I've been also not sitting there moping at the same time. You know, I've just got on and done what I can while I'm well enough to do it. So, Dude, yeah. prop, props to David Kelly flipping from Zeeld. Yeah. Obviously, this is not a sponsored endorsement, but flipping, what an absolute good bastard. Good on you, mate. Flipping absolute Absolutely. props. Give him, give him my high fives from afar. So the timeout trade that you've gone, obviously it's it's grown um, a bunch. Like how have how has it morphed since you started and, and how has, the, I guess, the journey been from your own personal experience to scaling it up to try and help others with better memories for the final days of their lives? Yeah, so I, my first move was to talk to two close friends and get them around me to help me because basically, you know, I don't know how long I have, so I have to always build a team around me so that if I go, they're still around to keep the mahi going, basically, right? So um, one was Hamish, and he's also an owner of Field, and he'd lost his mum to motor neuron disease. So him and I worked closely for a few years before I got diagnosed. And so when I came with him with the idea, he was immediately in. He he understood how good an idea it was and and what it would mean to people in that situation. And then Roy Master, a really good friend of mine, um, was looking for some charitable work to do, and and it really rang true for her as well. And, of course, she comes from a Māori perspective, and, of course, who, who gets diagnosed with terminal illness more than any other any other group, it's Māori. You know, they're higher on the cancer list. They're higher on all these diseases that that cause terminal illness early. Mm. And so she was coming, joining the group from that perspective as well. And so the core three of us started it um, and and just kind of muddled through. We had to stop at one stage because we realised we needed to get our legal things straight and got all them organised and and protected. And then, then we've just had people really come to us and... And Doug, he'd been doing this, he's part of our board, he'd been donating his own holiday home on his own um, just to the local um, hospice and cancer society and doing the same thing. He heard about us, he joined the group. So we have a really nice rounded group with people that are coming at it from the holiday homers perspective where they want to get um, give some time away and support the community with this amazing asset that they have. And then also people coming from the you know, being having a family member who's sick as well and then the nurses area. So, yeah, we, we have quite a rounded team. And then, of course, we've been able to employ, um, we've moved into employing someone. We operate completely on um, uh, volunteers, but we found the coordination really needs to be done by paid employees to just make sure that there's that consistency for people going through this really high emotional time. And Kylie's come on board with that, and she's doing an incredible job. And, um, yeah, so that, that's where we're going. Obviously, COVID hit us, and, you know, we've not been able to travel. It kind of closed it down, but people are still getting sick in that time, so we still operated when we could. Um, but this year, we're, we're back full steam. We've still got 130 homes on our books throughout the country, and um, op- operating... As, as well we can, you know, I think basically Auckland was our only place in, in this year that we had a bit of restriction on, but that's gone now too. 
Nice. So if people are uh, listening to this right now, they've done well for themselves, they love whānau and family, they understand what this could potentially mean for, for whānau with terminally ill uh, members. Where can they go to and what can they do and how can they get behind Time Out and, and what you're doing to help others? Yeah, just get in contact with us. Our, our website, um, timeoutnz.org, um, it has a form on it, it's got a phone number on it. We're happy to just chat through. We know it's a, a valuable asset for people um, and uh, we make, do our best to reassure them. We work with them, make sure that they donate on their terms. We always connect the homeowner with the family so they can make a call, make sure they're comfortable nice. with donating. Yeah, and look, we've had a lot of people that have continued to donate um, beyond us. So we just are about really making those connections. But after that, they're welcome to donate as much as they they want to. We had some people obviously own holiday homes and they've got to rent it out a certain amount to be able to afford it. And um, we're happy for it to be restricted to once a year outside holiday periods or peak periods or anything like that because of course generally oh we're just really wanting to go when they can they're not necessarily going for a big blown holiday they're just going for time together yeah that's awesome well i really appreciate your time Rhonda. if you wanted to um, check it obviously you got the timeout website uh, thanks for joining us today best luck for all of it and props to you and the team at zealed for um being very I'm supportive through these kind of gnarly, crazy last almost decade or so. So good on you. Big ups to Kylie and all the team. And if you're listening there and if you've got your three Bs of the flipping boat, the batch and the beamer, step it up and help. Give the batch out for a little bit. Share it with someone else. And I really appreciate your time, Rhonda. Um, Absolutely awesome. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Much Much love. Awesome. There you go. Rhonda Amende from uh, Time Out. Such an awesome charity doing good things. Kind of interesting, it puts you into perspective when someone just says, hey, you're about to die. You're like, oh, jeez, okay, well, better sort my, sort my life out and figure out what's actually true and important. And it's awesome to hear that, you know, those those moments with whānau is, is super cool. Uh, don't forget the question of the day today is, what do you think is Aotearoa's biggest opportunity in the next 12 months to help us build back better? Text me through on 3920 with a number to call us 0800 Today FM. We would love your feedback. Well, I'd love your feedback. You can troll me, say what up, whatever. Uh, after the break, we're catching up with this week's Young Buck on Today FM. The time now, 12.21pm. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Cruisy track for the Saturday. It's 12.24 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I'm in San Francisco. I'm Silicon Valley. It's 5.24 here. Uh, welcome back to Rebet Live on Today FM. Find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you on the go wherever you're at. You've got a smartphone. You download the Rover app, R-O-V-A, and you can um, download it there. And you can listen to us wherever you're at, in your pocket. Kind of weird, but my voice would be there. Totally fine. Next up. Young Buck section. What is Young Bucks? Oh, I'll tell you what. You know, we talk about trying to destroy the New Zealand tall poppy syndrome. The tall poppy syndrome existed before I was born. Came from, I don't know where it came from. Came from somewhere. I don't like it. But now it still exists. So part of the, the show is we want to highlight some of these next generation of, of young future leaders in New Zealand. If you listen to this right now, you're probably over 30. Maybe you're over 40. Maybe you're over 50. Maybe even retired. You're kicking back on, on your batch and you're just cruising it. But the young bucks are the, the these young, awesome Kiwi humans that are doing great things that are about to start businesses and do good stuff. And today we're speaking with Hamish Buchanan. He's the founder of Astro Soup from the Paidoa College and is affectionately known amongst the local Tron 
Wanaka, uh, Waikato Mafia of the Young Enterprise Scheme as Astro Boy. I'm interested to hear about this. Uh, so, kia ora, Hamish, and welcome to the show. Uh, kia ora. Uh, it's good to be here. Let's go. Okay, let's just cut to the chase, mate. How did you come up with Astro Boy from Astro Soup? What's going on here? What what is where what is Astro Soup and how do you actually let's start with this? Why are you called Astro Boy and what is Astro Soup? Let's get into it. Sweet. So uh, the name Astro Soup um, comes from well, first of all, we sell freeze dried soup. Um, and astronauts, yeah, astronauts um, live almost. Pr- entirely off a diet of freeze-dried soup up at the international, well, not soup, freeze-dried meals at the International Space Station because yep. they're so light, long-lasting, yeah. So, okay, how old are you and you're in the Tron? You're at high school, what are you, what are you doing? How did how, you come up with this freeze-dried soup scenario? This is pretty interesting. Go on. Uh, yeah, so I'm a year 13 student at Pydor College, uh, head student at community, and I do a bit of study and stuff like that, so... Uh, one day I was eating my, like, fourth bowl of two-minute noodles. Um, my parents were a little disappointed that they're not the most nutritious things in the world. Um, so I had the brainwave. What if I made a product that was just as easy as two-minute noodles for people who are hard workers out there uh, or might not have time to make their own meals um, and equally as nutritious as any other meal you could find on the market? So how does your headspace get to freeze-dried NASA soup? Like, I mean, when you're hanging out in the Tron, it's not often you, you you jump into those conversations. How do you navigate to the idea of that? Because it's it's very intriguing and quite creative. Yeah, well, um, I actually saw the idea um, on a TV show, not with soup, just uh, freeze-drying, because I, I am quite into innovation and engineering and that kind of thing. Um, so I connected the dots on one of my commutes to work at Foursquare, um, thinking about the market that I'd have access to there. So, yeah. So where do you manufacture it and how's it sold? Yeah, so um, we're currently at the startup stage, so we haven't um, even created our first batch yet, but it's all planned out. Um, because freeze dryers themselves are such expensive bits of kit, I'm getting it done in Nelson, uh, with real meals. And so it gets made in a pyrore in a commercial kitchen. Um, then it is chilled, packed up. I'm going to fly down to Nelson during the school holidays uh, <laughs> with soup as my <laughs> checked baggage. Yep. Um, land, get it freeze-dried, which is a quite complex process and takes about 40 hours. Um, package it up into um, vacuum-sealed um, ready-to-go bowls or bulk yep. packs and then bring it back to Pyro and sell it at um, four squares around the Hauraki district and online. Okay, so anyone that's into logistics or manufacturing is going to be looking at the margins of your spreadsheet now going, jingle bells. So you're going to Pyro making the food, you're putting it in a bag, you're flying to, <laughs> to Nelson and then you're <laughs> freeze-drying it and then tr- flying back with all the food back to Pyro, back to the Tron and then you're selling it from there. I love it. Yeah, yeah. The, the margins are a bit better when you um, do it with a courier, which I will be doing after the first batch, but I want to be able to make sure it's all quality controlled, safe. Exactly I know the right. process. Yeah. 
mate, you're in startup phase. This is what happens. You need to you need to be across every single bit of it. And the fact of you're going to pre-made meal, make meals, fly with the food to Nelson, dry dry freeze it and come back up, absolutely epic. So how are you going to sell these things? What's your plan in terms of the e-commerce play? To, in terms of uh, you know commercialising this 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 business of yours? Yeah. So I, I primarily I want to retail through supermarkets and make it uh, widely available as a, to all consumers. Uh, my target market would tend to be people who work 50 plus hours a week or retirees over 70 who might struggle to make their own meals. How about um, lazy, so lazy boyfriends who suck at cooking? How about that? Like, cause I'm, or, or, or I'd be all, or lazy husbands <laughs> or things that can't actually cook and they just want it simple and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're in there too. Um, and they all have access to supermarkets, which is why I want to go through that route so strongly. Um, on top of that, we will be doing e-commerce because cool. um, ES gives us the great opportunity to use uh, Storby, which is a great website to be able to um, do that through, great framework. And just quickly on that, obviously, you know, food, a lot of these, you know, bigger businesses that are looking globally, I'm sure you've looked into it, are really uh, keen on these whole subscription sort of plays. Do you have a subscription model that you're looking to plug into the e-commerce side to keep the revenue sort of rolling and cracking up the, the bottom line? How are you thinking about you know, possible subscriptions and direct-to-consumer plays as well? Yeah, so um, I haven't considered that too deeply because of the uh, logistical problems at yep. this stage, making sure you that You can't fly every a, week uh, to, to Nelson. Fly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, okay, so if someone wants to, when is, okay, let's, let's, let's run it back. When will the first batch of Astro Soup be up? And I am keen to support it. When is it coming out? When can we buy some to, to, to check it out? This is some of the most, New Zealand's most traveled food before it's even consumed. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, so um, the first batch should be up for sale uh, mid to late July. Um, and you can keep, keep yourself posted on our Facebook page. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's us just, yeah, probably around like, I'd say 23rd of July. Um, hey, hey, Mish, I was trying to give you a layout, mate. I was trying to say where you can get it. And that's when you said <laughs> the Instagram, you got to tell them what the Instagram handle is. So if they're listening, they know to go to the handle so they can follow it. So then when they get the release on the 23rd of July, they can lock in, you get those customers, man. What's the, what's the Instagram handle? All right. So, uh, uh Facebook is at AstrosoupNZ. So I'll just repeat that one more time, AstroSoupNZ. I love it. And now that's why they call you Astro Boy. Really appreciate it, mate. Hey, when it drops, drop me a line. More than happy to hype it up and promote it. Good on you for taking a nudge and getting that quality control. But also props on the logistical gong show you're dealing with to, to be making meals, flying half around the country, freeze-drying it, coming all the way back. I'm sure future investors may have some smarter ways to just crank some more uh, uh, margin out of that when you get more localised supply. But I think it's amazing that you're doing it. Good on you, Hamish. Good, good work, my friend. Sweet as. Thank you so much for having me. What a legend. Hamish from the Tron, Astro Soup. Super cool. Looking for it. 23rd July. Mark the calendars, team. Mark the calendars. Uh, don't forget, you can text me on 3920. Question of the day is, you know, what's the biggest thing you think Aotearoa can do right now in the next 12 months to make it even better and cooler? Or call through on 0800 Today FM. And that translates to 863 293.
We would love your feedback. I'd love your feedback. Bryn would love your feedback. Everyone would love your feedback. Or if you have ideas, so then we can milk it, claim it as our own. We'll say it on and it makes it look like we're way smarter than what we are. Anyway, coming up after the break, I've got business in a minute. Tip for you to help your business get better in 60 seconds before today time with the bro, Kerepe McDonald. The time now is 12.33 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and it's 5.53 or 5.33 in Silicon Valley. See you in a sec. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. It is 12.36 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We've got some plug walk. If you don't know what it is, you can just Google it. It's a bang instrumental. I get, it's my own show. I get to choose my own music. I like this type of music. It's relaxing. It gets me inspired. And it makes me get into business in a minute, which is a one-minute tip to get you better at business in 60 seconds or less. Today's tip, how do you hack your time? One of the biggest things I see when a whole bunch of people create their own little ecosystems of the way they work and whatever is they haven't actually asked themselves, how do they work best? Do they like music when they listen? Do they like silence? Do they like being around people? Do they don't? Do they like standing up? Do they like sitting down? Do they like working early in the morning or late at night? Do they like using dictation instead of typing? Because they suck at typing. I do. Uh, How best do you work? And what I've found is the productivity gets two, three, four, five X when you get in the flipping zone and you get in flow, when you line all these sort of things up. For myself, I like to stand. I listen to headphones, I use dictation so I can just talk instead of typing. And then I also listen to brown noise in my headphone without lyrics. So then my brain's not thinking of the words that are being said, but it's just thinking of flow so I can actually get into it. And I notice that I can basically do three, four hours worth of emails in about, you know, 40 minutes or so. I can get way more locked in to do really deep thinking at a higher level faster by knowing your kind of working operating system that works, especially if you're an entrepreneur or, you know, solopreneur or you get, you know, in these zones, find out when you work. I also work super well, super late at night or really, really early in the morning. Basically through the day, I'm pretty average, but, you know, the rest of the time is pretty solid. So that is your business in a minute tip. Question, you need to ask yourself, how best do you work? When you get in flow, what do you do and how do you do it specifically? Write it down, be aware of it. And a great way to try and lock in is if you can block out time all throughout the week in your Google Calendar or whatever it is that you use, or iCal, you know, it's not a sponsored post, just whatever you want to do with your calendar, um, and actually blocking those times for deep work. You call it deep work. Google it, whatever. And that, my friends, is how you can get more efficient and more out of your business. It is 12.38 p.m. Learning Tereo, one phrase at a time. Rebet's Tereo on Rebet Live. Never, ever, 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 ever get sick of that track. It is such a banger. Today our time, uh, as we do every week, we're going to catch up with the bro, Karepe McDonald, who's going to give us a quick little kiwaha o te wiki, or phrase of the week. Kia ora, Karepe. How are you, my bro? Where are you? Hey, tūranga nuia kiwa wau. Kia ora, my bro. I'm just here in Gisborne doing the a bit of a fortnightly grocery shop before heading back to Victoria. Hoia no koto tata neki waha whakatau ki rānei o te wiki. Our phrase of the week for this week is e ngari te ngari ngari i te kora rawa. So everyone knows the phrase uh, something's better than nothing. Well this is how we say it in te reo Māori. And uh, 
you know, there's many ways of saying it, but this is a common one. Engari, tengari, ngari, it's a korerawa. And, you know, maybe for money or somebody's time or whatever it may be, um, something's better than nothing. That's our phrase for the week. And kia pai tō koutou Good to hear from you, bro. Something better than nothing. Engari, tengari, ngari, it's a korerawa. My man. Hey, appreciate it, Karepe. Thanks so much for joining us again. Quick little nice, awesome te reo time for today. Engare te nare nare e te kore rawa. Something is better than nothing. Very cool. Man, I love he's just stri- straight down to the guts, rolls straight in, demos it and bounces it. All right, I'm on my fortnightly shop in Gizzy. Later, bolt. <laughs> Going back up, so cool, from the East Coast. And obviously, if you don't know, now you know. I'm proudly from Atipo East Coast, Gisborne. Proudly from Waipiro Bay, a population of 26. You better ask somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and that is today our time for this week. If you've got any feedback or suggestions, you can text me on 3920. The time now is 12.40 p.m. Bet Live. On today, FM. Dreaming with Scribe. It's time for my three cents. Usually have people have two cents. I've got three. This week, I want to talk about scams. Team, there's been a whole bunch of scams happening in the ecosystem. And I'm, I'm, raving, I'm waving the red flag, or the white flag, probably more the red flag of warning for others. Here we go. Most of the people in Aotearoa system that are talking about, you know, these crypto, the NFTs, disco Slack channels and bits and pieces with special little combos for friends and families and followers, and they're going to get early access to the special new crypto coin or um, some type of NFT project which is um, that they're creating. Team, the majority of the time, this is utterly, utterly a scam. Sorry to say it, but it's true. Save your money, do your own research. It's very clear what's been happening in Aotearoa for a long, long time. And I get very passionate about it because not only do people not understand the world of 3.0 or NFTs or whatever, people are spending hard-earned money on things which are essentially not valuable and are also kind of scammy. This is, this is how simple it is. Like right now, tomorrow, I could just jump online. I could create a billion coins or two billion or 10 billion. I could create 10 billion coins of the Rebet scammy super coin tomorrow. You know, it cost me a little bit of my of my gas fees on on ETH or whatever. That's fine, and then you can s- sort of sell it. But this is the this is the thing with a lot of these the way that a lot of these scammers are doing it is they are trying to act like uh, this private scarcity of these coins actually means something. The reality is it's actually public scammery. What they're doing is they're using their social profiles, they're hyping up to their own coins to get into the early Discord channels, and you can be in first on this great thing. Just sign in now. The, the tough thing, like I live and breathe in this world and even half the time I'm still struggling to try and do it. But yes, you need to understand if anyone, you know, hits you up about these, you know, get quick schemes or these NFTs or the Web3 or blah, blah, blah. Just for reference so everyone knows and I just want to say it publicly, one of the simplest ways that people are scamming money in 2022 by fraudsters is they can quickly raise and clear capital by deceiving others into buying either fake crypto coins or hyped up NFT projects that actually mean nothing and then they rug pull it. Basically, they take all the cash of it and the whole thing turns to zero and then they hide all of this, these funds all around the, um, the metaverse or whatever in these little MetaMask accounts. So if you've, I've kind of lost you at this stage. Let's just zoom it out for a second. Cryptocurrency is this new thing. It is real, 100%. All I'm saying is that so much of the uh, the noise and activity by these influences and stuff that are popping up, it is scammy. 
Because what they're doing is they're basically trying to convert their own community into customers through currency with actual no true utility value of these tokens or these coins. And I feel very strongly about it because I'm seeing the way they're influencing it, the, the way they're advertising these projects is predatory. It's aimed at specific people who aren't probably the most technologically savvy to understand the actual technical implications of what's happening beneath it. So they see the glitz and glamour just like Las Vegas. They don't see the dirk, dirty and, and, and dirty side of it, which is which is dark and, and not cool. And I feel comfortable enough to talk about this to give people a bit of an insight because I'm here in Silicon Valley in San Francisco. I was just at the Startup Grind World Conference. I've been in these rooms with really, really smart people and I've heard of how these things actually happen. So if you're in New Zealand and people start hyping these NFT things or these crypto coin things, their own different bits and pieces that they're trying to do, I get all that. I understand that. All I'm saying is really, really, really do your own research. And here's a quick little, just going to throw this out there as a little, little tip for you on the technical side. If they're that transparent about it, ask to ask for their MetaMask account wallet, and then you can just track it through Etherscan, which means you can basically type in their little wallet account, and you can see every single transaction they're doing, and you can see where the money's going. So, but look, I'm not trying to brag or do anything on anyone. All I'm saying is there is a whole bunch of fraud happening by these influencers or public faces, which these big profiles, and they're basically trying to convert their audience and their community into customers in this cryptoverse, and they're snaking and stealing their money. Now, I'm not going to name and shame everyone here, Time reveals all, but you know, but also on the flip side, look, will digital assets be a future, a huge part of the future of our the global ecosystem? A hundred percent. Will smart contracts become mainstream, where a lot of these big businesses actually integrate into all parts of their company? Hundred percent. Are there these amazing, you know, digital weapons that are creating things and projects and doing stuff for good to help others? Hundred percent. All I'm saying is, and I'll tell you all right now, there is a lot of predatory behaviour by a bunch of kooky muppets that are trying to steal your money. So do your own research, do your own research, do your own research. That's all I'm going to say. So sorry for the little vent. I just, I get very emotional when I see people spending hard-earned money that don't understand the, the technical implications of actually what they're doing. And then you get these, you know, I'll just say it, team, these half-assed experts that don't understand tech at all trying to basically act like they're these preachers and stuff and they don't actually get it. So anyway, sorry for the little vent. I'm just trying to save some Kiwis some money, all right? Just trying to just trying to do my little part here. Uh, any feedback you like if you about, you know, crypto first or flipping web point three or uh, NFTs, whatever you want to do, feel free to um, text through 3920 and the number to call is 0800 today FM, which translates to 863-293. After the break, it's Learn, Share, Repeat on uh, Rebet Live, episode 300. And 15 here on Today FM. Tova with Tova O'Brien, Mark Dye and Carly Flynn. An urgent investigation is underway at Middlemore Hospital after a patient died having been told to leave the emergency department because of long wait times. Dr Shane Letty is the National Party's health spokesperson. He joins us now. The health minister is throwing this back on you, saying, quote, the health system's been under serious pressure from years of neglect and underinvestment. Look, I'm done with that as an excuse. I will own uh, everything good and not good that we did in the nine years we were in government. I will own that. I put my hand up. But I'm afraid Andrew owns the last five years. It's over. Weekdays from 6.30 with Generate, the KiwiSaver specialists. New on Today FM. He's back. Leon McDonald's brought rugby back to Eden Park. And I admire him and I admire Braden Barrett and Luke Romano, the two players I'll single out. Without those three, you, you, we wouldn't be there. We? Do you like that? I'm part of them now, you see. I'm, I'm a fair with the Warriors fan. I'm a fair with the Blues fan. When they're doing well, I was there. When they're doing badly, I'm here. Talking about them. Duncan Garner today. Weekday mornings from 9. 
with DBS on Today FM. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Twelve forty-eight in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It's no role models. J Cole instrumental. Straight bangers today on Rebet Live, episode three hundred and fifteen on Today FM, live from Silicon Valley in San Francisco. It's Rebet Hollis. Uh, you can find out more about us online at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the social channels, the Facebook and the Instagrams and the Twitters and the TikToks. If you're over sixty years old, ask your grandson what a TikTok is. They'll figure it out. They'll tell you all about the swiping and the tapping. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, feel free to text through on 3920. It's Learn, Share, Repeat time on my little wrist. I have a uh, little wristband that says Learn, Share, Repeat. The goal of the, or the thinking behind this is when you get access to really smart people, you can ask some questions and you can find out good stuff about what's in their world and you can share that along with others. So today we're very fortunate enough to have a good friend of mine and also a CEO of Figure Group, Lillian Grace, who is an absolute weapon, a big brain indeed, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome welcoming Lillian Grace to the show. Kia ora, Lillian. Kia ora. Let's go. How was your Saturday? What's what's happening? How are you? My Saturday is awesome. A good sleep in, a good thing of Pilates. Um, apart from the cleaning out the pantry or where all the moths got in, it's been a great day. Oh, some, 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 some yoga and some life admin, just stock sanded on the Saturday. Very cool, very cool. Um, so maybe before we jump into it as well, for those that aren't aware, uh, tell everyone a little bit about what you do as CEO of Figure Group. Yeah, we are working to help um, expand kind of the collective intelligence of teams, specifically looking at kind of cultural intelligence, emotional intelligence and mental health. And so... We're using a combination of an online platform called Huaco and coming in and running wiring sessions with organisations. And especially in this kind of time, this day and age where um, a lot of people were feeling a bit lost and not just super clear and happy and kind of helping them navigate that and, and get back to what's important um, with them and their team and the people they work with. I absolutely love it. And obviously we've been friends for a while. I think you've got one of the biggest and best brains in Aotearoa and we're super lucky to have you. So with Learn Share Repeat, we're talking about, you know, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What are you consuming? So right now in the world of Lillian Gray, CEO of Figure Group, what are you currently consuming the most? Is it podcasts? Is it books? What are you learning and where, what are you doing? Well, I have two books to share and Whoa, three podcasts. Um, so I'll start with the podcast. I used to really completely hate podcasts and I realized that I was just listening to the wrong ones and <laughs> having been in the kind of, the, the, I know it's quite funny, I've been in the, you know, the tech kind of industry for the last 15, almost 20 years now, jeepers, and, um, and I, so I naturally kind of looked up tech podcasts and I ended up realizing I just find them really not that interesting. And because they're not really expanding my worldview on things. And so I've found three now that I just adore. Um, the first one that I fell in love with is called Straight Up, and it's with um, Neva and Beatrice Farmwena. And they've only got eight episodes, but every single one of them I just adored. And they interview people like um, Jenny Mae Clarkson or Teeks or Tony Street or uh, Sonny Bill Williams. And actually go really deep and vulnerable with them, and um, that was really awesome just to get to know some of those people more and, and how their worlds are. Uh, have you heard of that one straight up? Yes, I have. I know that um, when I saw Queen Bee pop, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a banger." But yeah, I didn't yeah. know there was only eight episodes. Totally. That's awesome. 
Yes, and so if everyone watches it, maybe they'll do another season. I just think it was just really, really well done. Um, the other one that I really love is Grey Areas with Petra Bagus, and that's just had one season, I think, eight or ten episodes as well. And it's a real wide variety of topics. I actually was in one of the episodes on going grey, like letting your grey hairs go wild and free. Um, but she has other topics like um, old people doing it. So talking about old people sex and no one ever talks about that. Um, and so getting people in to interview and, um, and share their life experiences. And also things like menopause that you just never really hear people openly talk about. And she's such an incredible interviewer. Uh, so I've really enjoyed those ones as well. Uh, have you heard any of those, Rebecca? Yes, I have, and she uh, actually has ah. a little section with uh, Do uh, Dominic Bowden on the Wellbeing Show, and so every uh, every Saturday I get to listen to her before I jump on as well at, at 12, and she has a little section there, which was super cool. But, ah, awesome. Uh, de deceptively deep, vulnerably honest, publicly, and kind of genuine care, it feels like, too, which is a, an awesome combination. Totally. For, for, yeah, which is, which is really cool, so I'm... Big fan of that one too. I'm with you. Two for two. I like it, Liz. Awesome. Two for two. Okay, the third one is um, is Taringa. There's about 50,000 people that listen to Taringa and it is a Te Reo Māori podcast, but you don't need to be able to speak um, fluently or anything to listen and engage. They, there's kind of like three different types of episodes that they create. One is around grammar, so actually teaching people how to say some things in Te Reo. One is uh, one type is focused on tikanga, so if you ever wonder things like, oh, what are the right clothes to wear to a porphyry, or um, how do I engage in, in a certain way with the marae, then you can nice. listen to, to the tikanga ones. And then they also have um, episodes about specific iwi, where people from a specific iwi um, share the stories, and it's just an incredible breadth of information. And so... I just love it every single time. And that's really funny as well, um, which always helps when you're learning, I think. So the combination nice. of those three, I adore. And um, then none of them are like the things that I spend my all my days focused on. But that's what I've realised is that podcasts that are way outside my normal thinking lanes are, um, are amazing and way more interesting and keep me engaged. Now, you know this, is means ears, right? In, in Te Reo Māori, is that right? It does, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. I, th I thought that was, that was it. Okay, so you got so you got straight up grey ones, taringa, on the podcast, and you see you got two books. So what are the bangers on the books? I do. All right, the first one is called the Mum Test, or spout American with a mom. The Mom yep. Test Classic. by Rob Fitz, Rob Fitzpatrick, and it is hilarious. So the the book is um, it kind of talks to you about how to talk to your customers and learn if your business is a good idea when everyone is lying to you. And it oh. basically talks about how when you set up a business or you have an idea, um, everyone kind of lies to you and tells you that they think it's a really good idea. And you get this false sense of like, oh my goodness, everyone I know is going to buy this, it's going to be amazing. And, um, and so it helps you, like it's got some really, really good advice about how to share your idea without it um, kind of, tricking people into just telling you it's awesome and when I read it I did I realized that when I started Figure NZ in 2012 the data organization 
that um, I did everything wrong because I would be like, oh my goodness, I've got this amazing idea, da, 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 da. isn't it amazing? Rather than starting just, not even saying I'm starting a business, just going, oh, do you use data? What do you think about that? And you, you know, you just start completely by not trying to describe the world that you're trying to create because you just kind of create this false sense of um, support that you might not have. So mm. that book is cracking me up because of how badly I've done it um, in the past. Right. That's good. Um, and then I, I, and I just got the sorry. Go. I got um heads up from a big boss dog. We got about just under a minute left. But tell me the second book, well, Mum Test, and what's the second one? Hit me. The second one is called Te Rua Nuku, and that is the Maori version of The Alchemist. So Paulo Colo is the original author, and then Hemi Kelly has translated it. And the reason it is so amazing is because I've been learning te reo. I went to Takere last year, and this is the first novel I have been able to read. And I sit Ooh. there with a dictionary to look up the words I don't know, and it is one of the most amazing experiences. And I have really realised a lot of things being able to read a novel in a different language. Um, there is an incredible episode on Taringa, episode 225, where Dale Takitamu is, um, talks about how in colonisation the first thing that is taken away is the art and it should be one of the first things that kind of thrives and can come back. And so the experience of reading Te Ruanuku is absolutely incredible. I love it. Well, I appreciate it, Lil's. Absolutely awesome. Straight up, Grey Ones, Taringa, The Mum Test and Te Ruanuku. You're, the, you're, you're awesome. Well done, Lil's, and I'll talk to you soon. His goal. To destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Hour number two, 103 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is Rebet Live, episode 315. I love Shook Ones, the bangers. If you don't know what that means, it's basically the name of the track, but it's the instrumental without the rapping over top. I like to feel like I can rap, but I can't. I'm not talented enough. Hour number two. What we've got coming up in a moment, Kelly Beaumont, the director and founder of Release, joins me, an award-winning New Zealand virtual assistant company. We're talking tall poppy profiles. I'll be joined by Diana Sharma from Miss and Ready and catching up with the bro, Bruce Pearlbrow, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Each weekend, he has great little nuggets to make our life smarter, better, and even easier. Um, just for a recap from Lillian's last chat, if you like what she was talking about, the three podcasts she mentioned were Straight Up, Grey Areas, which you can also is streaming on Rover, and also Taringa. The books were The Mum Test and Teru Anuku by Hemi Kelly as well. Hour number two, we're rolling for Rebet Live episode 315 on Today FM. Rebet Live. Cruising on the Saturday, 104 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Being a small business owner is pretty full on. There's always a lot to do. Not enough time. Classic. Not enough time. Even with all this technology, there's still not enough time. All the admin, the quotes, invoices, bookkeeping, emails, everything are going along. My next guest is Kelly Beaumont, the director and founder of Released. It's an award-winning New Zealand virtual assistant company helping you offload your admin, free up your time, grow your business without any of the stress. Super cool. So welcome to the show, Kelly Beaumont. How are you? I'm great, thanks, Rebecca. How are you? I'm rolling. What are you up to at 105 in Aotearoa, New Zealand today? Where are you and what's going on? Um, I'm at home with my family and um, I've got uh, four kids 
and um, we are chilling out on this lovely kind of rainy day in Auckland and getting prepped to uh, go watch some Blues Crusaders tonight. Now, obviously, in the world of virtual assistants trying to help others, but let's just talk about this for a second. I've got two daughters, three and four, and it's absolute batshit crazy. How do you navigate four? Talk me through the logistics. I mean, you must be... I mean, is your cal- calendar colour-coordinated into different kids' things? Like, talk me some of the secrets around having two, four kids rather than two. It's well done. <laughs> It's totally 100% colour-coded, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. That's why I asked. I knew it. Okay, go on. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've got um, I've got four, two boys, two girls, um, 12, 10, 7, and just gone to school, fresh five-year-old. Um, so we juggle dance, we juggle scouts, we juggle swimming, we juggle gymnastics. Yeah, oh. great fun. <laughs> life admin, life admin. Um, so we've talked actually Absolutely. a little about delegation of, um, you know, different parts within the business that you can do with others and stuff. Yep. So for those who are unaware, you know, what is, and obviously through the last couple of years with uh, COVID, everyone going remote, people have been working, you know, out of the offices and in their homes and different things. You know, for those that aren't aware, you know, give us give us virtual assistant 101. Well, it kind of comes into one little secret phrase for us, basically online wizards. Um, anything you do not want to do, don't have time to do, we can probably do it remotely and in the cloud. And we've actually been doing it for about eight years now, so kind of pre-COVID. And that was mainly because I didn't want to go back to work after I had my first child. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I built something that enabled me to work from home, that enabled me to be flexible, that enabled me to work around my family. So, yeah, virtual assistants are pretty much people that have got kick-ass skill sets that can apply it to your business remotely. Awesome. And um, one of the I've found really intriguing with, uh, especially through COVID, is the amount of businesses that enable you to actually work remotely, to be able to not be physically in the office. And obviously when you're now running a company that's potentially not in a bricks and mortar um, area and you don't need to be physically anywhere, yeah. it's kind of a bit of a mind warp to get business owners to think that not only do they potentially not to be need to be in the office, but some of their team and staff might also not be in an office and maybe they don't even yeah. have the offices. How, how do you yeah. watch the mindset shift of business ownership when it comes to actually still realizing that, yes, you can still run and operate, you know, multi-million dollar companies and not even have an office? How do you get through that when you're talking to people? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think because our target audience is tradies, most of them don't have offices to start with. Um, It's only the really big companies. And our target audience, I guess you'd say, would be those small to medium tradies. So most of them don't have an office. So we haven't found it too hard to explain that side of things. But for them, a lot of them aren't actually big enough to need somebody 20 or 40 hours a week as a a part-time or a full-time employee. So we've been able to kind of, I guess you could say, sell the value of a virtual assistant who could do as little as five hours worth of work for them a week. And they've gone, oh my goodness, that's my dreams come true. Um, And so we've actually had no offices essentially for the last seven years. And we've just got our first office this year, mainly as a way for me to have a little bit of brand space outside of my home. And um, that's that's been amazing. But it's not big enough for my full team. It's only big enough for a couple of us. And so we do a bit of hot desking and we share things around and we do a lot of Zoom and a lot of team meetings. Uh, a lot of um, WhatsApping and Voxering to keep keep the lines of communication open, um, and we found that that's worked really well for us. So I want to jump into this for a second. Most of the time, people are either really like 
I am extremely good at some things and I'm horrendous with system process structures, mm -hmm. admin bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. How do you help bring self-awareness to a business owner who doesn't realize where they can actually get better by actually figuring out what they suck at and what they're good at? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think when we have those first communications with a potential client, the things that we ask them is what do they actually love doing in their business? Nice. And it's really interesting because that does vary from client to client. You'll get the tradie that actually want to, wants to spend more time upskilling his apprentices, which means he needs to stop doing his quoting and invoicing it. 12 o'clock at night um, you've got the guys that actually they want to be out there and they want to be talking and they want to be quoting and they want to be meeting and greeting people and it's like they don't want to be answering their phone every two minutes and so it's like yep. let's ditch the stuff that you actually don't want to do that you shouldn't be doing and let's focus on where your skill sets lie and most of that comes from what they're actually passionate about and by enabling them to focus on what they're passionate about we've found that they can quite quickly ditch the stuff they're not so passionate about <laughs> So let, let's go classic example. I'm Bob the Builder. I live in Dunno's. I smash yep. a few swapper crates in the weekend. What is the majority, yep. the biggest highest percentage of admin or back-end stuff which they potentially haven't thought about which would free up more time so they can focus on, you know, the, the more, um, the, the better value t spent for their hours? Mm. The number one thing that most guys' eyes light up at is the prospect of ditching their mobile phone and having someone else take their phone calls for them. And I don't really? think they understand until they've actually done that how much time it frees up. Uh, we've got a plumber up in Northland, and in month one he ditched tw 20 hours of phone calls in a month oh. by us picking that up for him. So it's just insane the amount of time that they spend on their phones. Some of these guys are getting 40, 50 phone calls a day. Can you imagine being interrupted oh. that many times where you're trying to get a job done? It sounds like I've got enough. toddlers. It's like toddler. I've got a three or four year old. It's exactly, this is what it sounds like. It's like I'm trying to yep. get five minutes to talk to wifey about the day and you got these little trolls yep. coming around punching in, in the chest. It's not really, not yep. ideal, is it? Yeah, and most of it's clients wanting an update on a job, wanting to know when this material's arrived, wanting to know, can you fit me in later this week? And by having someone that tackles that for them and is essentially working magic in the background, they can often open their calendar up and see that the rest of their calendar is all booked and coordinated, colours included, um, right through to the end of the week. And so it's literally they're showing up, they're making that great first impression, they're meeting those clients, but their diary is organised and structured and scheduled and it's all happened in the background behind them. So I, I want to maybe just jump into this for a second, that's called Kelly. I want to just ask you around where you think the future of work is going because obviously for the last you know couple of years it's been logistically different than it's potentially ever been in our lifetimes anyway and generationally mm, how do you when you fast forward another five ten like people right now are like they're struggling to come back for one or two days a week and they're thinking about doing stuff remotely how do you think this whole world of remote work and and actual physical workspaces and staff and teams plays out over the next mm. let's say five to ten years Mm. Well, I'm really hoping hoping that, that companies will continue to give their staff the option of what actually works best for their family. Um, the things that I'm seeing is even just the changes in our family life and having a husband that can work a day or two at home and he's more productive, he's less stressed, but also I know that we can juggle actually being parents together. And so I'm really hoping that companies will continue to talk to their staff about what's actually best for them and their families. And I think we're going to see less companies occupying massive office spaces. I think we're going to see more 
fluid offices where people are in there for a couple of days a week, but they might juggle their meeting schedules, they might work from home a bit. And I'm hoping it's going to lead to families that actually see more of both parents and um, actually have time to really gel as a family and spend that quality time together instead of the ratty end of the day when parents are tired, kids are tired, and everyone just gets on everyone's nerves. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool to see you go in two different rounds, one on the personal side of prioritising whānau time as a, a new, better way to work within the, I guess, the ecosystems of, you know, instead of just the nine-to-five, but also, mm. also the, um, the commercial real estate implications of what COVID has done mm. has dramatically actually yeah. cranked up the efficiency and, and and profitability of so many different companies which had big uh, mm. footprints of commercial real estate in a bunch of these different companies. Yeah. I was just at lunch with um, somebody today talking about it and, you know, he was saying these companies are getting a lot more creative with space, realizing, hey, we actually yeah. don't need, say if we've got, you know, 100 staff, right? We potentially only need yeah. to build out a space for 50 or 60, and then we just rotate the staff yeah. accordingly. But when it hits the bottom line, they've just made themselves another couple hundred grand a year because they don't have this as well. Exactly. So this is, it feels like there's an element of, obviously, pro, to your point though, Kelly, prioritization of the whānau time to get better yeah. things rolling. But also it feels that like there's a creative challenge slash opportunity which has happened in the commercial real estate space which is kind of mm, taken along to mm. it which is it's, it's it's two good insights there i'm, I'm quite i'm quite stoked to hear that yeah. so if you're listening to this right now and you've got you know existing business how do you figure out the threshold of when you potentially should engage with a um some type of virtual assistant or personal assistant executive assistant or whatever it may be how do you do you have a way to think about asking yourself some type of questions to figure if this is something you mm. might want to do like how do you navigate that yeah yeah so the guys that normally come and talk to us and girls too there's some awesome kick-ass female tradies out there too big shout out to them um but they're normally coming to us and they're telling us about what their life currently looks like and normally it's the case of there's not enough hours to do everything in the day they're finding themselves constantly falling behind they're getting customers ringing them getting frustrated about stuff and so what they're saying to us is that they'd actually like their evenings back and so that's normally a big sign that you need some extra support but for many of them they look at and they start writing their list of what they'd like to delegate. And it might take up, say, five hours of their week each week. Can you imagine writing a job description for someone and saying, I've got a job for you and it's five hours every week? You don't get too many takers on that kind of stuff. But for virtual assistants, these are the type of clients we tackle. And mm -hmm. most of our guys fall into the couple of hours a week right through to 10, 15, 20 hours a week. And at that point in time, they'll often come to us and go, I think this is about where I need to have office space, where I need to hire someone full or part-time. And we go, well, over the last year that we've been working with you, we've built out all your systems, all your processes, all your yeah. operational procedures, and now we can sit down with your new potential employee and we can do a comprehensive handover so that they can hit the ground running for your business. And it just yeah. is as smooth as that. <laughs> Just like that. Um, very cool. So if someone wants to check out what you're up to and, and, and do a little bit digger, if you know Bob the Builder from Dunno smashing the swappers, uh, yep. where can they go to? What can they do? Uh, they can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, Released Virtual Assistance, or they can jump over to our website, released.co.nz, and they can book a free call with me and we can chat all about their business and find out how we can help them. There you go. Hey, appreciate jump, jumping on, Kelly, and um, best of luck with all the rest of it. And well done on the colour co coordination of the, your, your calendar for the four children. I've, I'll, I've taken some notes. I've only got two, but I'll be definitely <laughs> copy-pasting that one, so I appreciate it.
thanks so much for your time, Rebecca. Rock and roll. All right, don't forget you can text me through on 3920. Any feedback on any of the different chats that we've had today? Some uh, texts have come through so, so far. Kia ora, bro. Proud and Pro Te ara roa. Nice to hear you. Kia ora. Um, and then talking about the NFTs. Oh, here we go. Because Nathan Spence, I went on a little rant there. It was my three cents. I was, you know, talking about people getting scammed. He said, if you find yourself in a situation, just remember the classic. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. It is also true. Uh, and then Hemi um, Twitter sends through, I hear you, man, NFTs are mostly BS. I don't know what BS stands. I might have to Google that one. Maybe Bryn can help me. BS. I'm not sure. I uh, wonder if it worked out for Dan Carter. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what it means? Oh, got yeah, got yeah. Okay, okay. Just wanted to double check that one. Uh, and thanks for the rundown. So there you go from uh, Hemi. Uh, I hope your Saturday's cruising along well. Sounds like Auckland is a bit... Uh, not the best day today. Um, it's not that I don't care. I'm just in California and it's really hot today, so I kind of don't care. I'm having a pretty good good day. Um, also, uh, after the break, we're going to be speaking with uh, Diane Sharma from Mission Ready. It's a tall property profile. Time now is 1.18, and I've just cracked a... It's a Coca-Cola. Seen a second team. It wasn't a Coca-Cola, but it's after five. It's fine. All right, see you soon, team. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. The show that loves tall poppies. Rebet Live. Here's this week's Tall Poppy Profile. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And her hands go up. And they stay there. Tall Poppy Profile time. I like it when we celebrate tall poppies. Why? Because tall poppy syndrome sucks or you. We've got to celebrate the good humans doing great stuff. This week's for our tall poppy profile, I'm joined by Diane Sharma from Mission Ready. They help develop and coach talented, creative weapons, or individuals, uh, guiding them into exciting tech-enabled careers to bridge the growing skills shortage in the tech workforce, which is something, an area that's very close to my heart, because as soon as you have an intersection between technology and creativity and young bucks on the come up, I'm all for it. Kia ora, Diana. Uh, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. Uh, great to be on your show. Uh, I'm an absolute fan of the values you stand for, so really awesome to be here. Let's go. It is, you know, and to that point, though, I feel that when platforms exist like this where there's so much, you know, negativity on the outside world and there's a lot of things that aren't potentially the best, you need to sit back and go on defense or you go on offense and highlight the great stuff that's happening in Aotearoa because, you know, when you live in a, a society and the good people stop trying, it's not that good. And I feel that we need to try yeah. and make a bigger punch. And so I'm super stoked to uh, talk to you today, Diana, about what you're doing with uh, Mission Ready and Super Cool. So for those that aren't aware, uh, where did this idea come from? How did this all start? And then we'll get into it. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, see, uh, it was born out of pure frustration, really. Um, we uh, set about, this is about three and a half years ago when uh Alan and myself, we come from completely different backgrounds. Alan's been in the tech sector and I've been in the education sector. And we really were kind of going, the sector, the tech sector is booming, crying out for skills. But there are some really glaring barriers to entry. Um, and we needed to find a way to bridge the gap. But the big frustration for us was, first one being, why should it take anyone three to four years to reskill and why should it cost twenty to thirty thousand dollars to reskill into the sector? The second part of it is um, this, uh, the tech evolution or revolution or whatever we call it. It's just changing so rapidly that to keep up with that tech landscape. Is the education sector ready for it, and how will the, how will it do it? 
Um, the third bit is how will grad gain experience if no one will ever give them a chance? We have all these advertisements saying, oh, we need to, we need people, we need junior people, but they need to have two years of experience. But hang on, somebody needs to give them that opportunity. And the last but not the least, how do we not leave anyone behind? You know, we've, we, we have this golden opportunity and the reality is making a difference to those from underserved, underutilized, unrealized, untapped potential is just not, it, it's not just doing good for people. It, it solves our biggest skills crisis and doing good is really good for business. So we really wanted to take this combination and say, how do we make people mission ready and solve the tech skills crisis along with solving our Social uh, social barriers to success. Um, essentially, that's that's how we got started. We we said let's build New Zealand's first tech career accelerator, and it is designed for non-techs to transition into tech in the fastest way possible, in as little as nine to nineteen weeks. And uh, we're extremely stoked to have been able to help three hundred people um, through our programs over the last couple of years, and achieved a ninety percent. Uh, success rate uh, across our different intakes uh, and we wanted to do this while keeping uh, our social impact mission at the forefront of who we are and what we do and that's essentially growing inclusion and diversity in tech um, and I, I often like to to say the easiest way to picture us is like an accelerated tech apprenticeship with heart that makes sense I totally get it so if you said the word before which i just want to jump into for a second diana is the word crisis so for those that aren't aware do you want to give us a quick 101 on you know how big is the tech sector in new zealand and why is it a crisis yeah see the tech sector is is, uh, is growing at, as, at the fastest pace possible right it's our largest uh uh export uh, sector and uh you know the skills in demand is just huge um, you know, and not just New Zealand, we're talking about globally, there's just millions and millions of jobs that are uh, remaining vacant and unfilled and the opportunity just exists that we need to close. Uh, so for us, I guess we're, we're saying how do we bridge that gap when we've got amazing talent in New Zealand and a sector that's booming and growing and making a huge difference. We need to be at the forefront of this, this opportunity and make a difference right now, right here, right today. So if you were, I'm I'm with you. I 100% mm -hmm. am down for it. I get it. I live in Silicon Valley in San Fran. I am all for it. It's in the flipping blood. The interesting thing with so many people Kiwis don't understand is as soon as it's a technology company, it's weightless, which means it can go local to global and from a thousand to a million customers with no extra heavy weight. This isn't fishing. This isn't forestry. This isn't farming. This can scale globally and bring billions of dollars into the ecosystem overnight. And there's so many great Kiwis doing good stuff. So with that all kind of said, when if you were Jacinda right now, right, and you can wave the little magical Diana Sharma wand for Mission Ready and you can make Aotearoa even a better place to help more of these underserved crew and whatever it is get into technology, what would you specifically do to make the country better using technology for youth? That's a great question. What would I that's specifically what, that's do? That's what we ask here on the, we ask the hard questions here on Rebecca Live on the Center. <laughs> this is what we do. This is what we do. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, no, that's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, I think that the, there's two, two challenges we have. One is awareness of the opportunity. Mm. Uh, and the second is, is really uh, investing in where it's going to make the biggest difference, and that's education. Um, and, and the third would be growing, uh, well, helping businesses that are doing awesome work grow. So, yes. so essentially, um, I would say if we could invest in, uh, in creating awareness of uh, the sector, the, the skills needed and the opportunity for a partner to make a difference uh, in their lives and their families' lives, that's, that's one. But to help them get there, we need to be able to invest in the education needed to, to, to really uh, accelerate their journey. And thirdly, create, uh, you know, support businesses to take on more talent um, and invest in our, in, in our talent pipeline early enough so that we're not having to import the talent from overseas. We can actually make the best impact by growing our own local talent. Got it. And I want to just jump into that for a second. For those aren't aware, you know, they, the government announced a $20 million sort of boost up for that and trying to open it, I think it was at 600 visas or, or things. My personal opinion is that's like 10% of what we actually need to bring talent here. But you're kind of saying the other side of saying, hey, look, we can sort of grow grow this within the ecosystem. How do you see the future of technology actually playing out within uh, Aotearoa for, for either youth or business and commerce and I guess the world of tech as it intersects with New Zealand? Um, you really do ask the tough questions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just really passionate about it because I kind of, you know, I, I I watch this from afar and then I see it and I've got two daughters, three and four, and I look at the future of technology with, with young people. I'm going, okay, we've got all these corporates right now who have all this this instant demand. You've got a great massive skill shortage happening because we don't have enough programmers and developers to be doing all this thing. And as much as people want to say, you know, oh, we need the bricks and mortar and this and that, it's like, hey, I'm all with that. That's great. This isn't an or conversation. This is an and conversation. And we should be doubling down on this. So I, I'm always really just intrigued with people that are in the trenches of, especially this intersection of, of technology and jobs and the future of Aotearoa, just going, you know, if we zoom out, like how good could this actually get for us if we've really embraced the opportunity of, of what's in front of us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and see, uh, from my perspective, uh, it's not a should be embraced. It. It's not a question of should be. We absolutely have to. We don't have a choice. Um, if, we, if we don't want to be left behind uh, as, a organize, uh, as, a, as an economy, as a country, as, as people, then there's no other choice but to embrace this opportunity. That's the first thing. Uh, the second part of it is uh, we, we've got an amazing set of uh, growing, uh, diverse population here in New Zealand. And it, it just makes complete sense for us to optimize that, that uh, talent that's coming through, right? Um, and if we don't maximize that today, um, then it, it's such a lost opportunity. And that just, just goes for me to say that, you know, we have to, we have to look at what exists in New Zealand? How do we uh, how do we utilize the talent we've got? How do we how do we change the dynamics of what we can bring and reshape um, the way the way uh, the world's operating? And um, yeah, that, it's an interesting one for me. I I do want to spend more time exploring that and and growing that and being a part of that conversation. Really, I totally get it. So when you think about your 
um, mission around sort of empowering these creative individuals. And you know, you've, you've got you know 300 crew that have come through nine to 19 weeks. You got a 90 success, 90 percent success rate. Do you think of this rollout in like one year terms, three, five years, decade? How do you think about the long the long game of how you sort of plan this? Because obviously COVID in the last two years has basically put everything on pause, but now it cranks back up. Where does your head, head actually go to with what we kind of feel we need to do now to make it better for, for the future? Yeah, see, oh, and, and we're partner, partnering with a number of um, tech organizations. We've got 150 partners. We've we're also part of um, the Salesforce ecosystem. And, uh, you know, if you think about the number of jobs just being created in the next couple of uh, uh, years, uh, Salesforce, the ecosystem itself, is just creating 26,000 jobs in New Zealand. Um, and uh, that's, you know, when, when we think about the scale of that, it's millions of jobs overseas and uh, globally. Um, the, the reality is that... Uh, the, the number of jobs coming out in the sector is huge. Uh, we're not going to be able to keep up with uh, with that uh, w- without investing in talent in New Zealand right now. Um, I'm just um, our our you know our focus at the moment is where it does sound small, right? Like 300 when there's 26,000 new jobs being created um, is is just a drop in the ocean. Um, and so for us to be healing and uh, supporting uh, more companies to succeed, we would need to be able to ramp up quite quickly. And um, the the way to plug this gap is essentially working more closely with with employers and reshaping the way we take on junior talent. You know, um, countries overseas, the government is, uh, is supporting businesses in, in massive terms, right? Like um, uh, some uh, some of the countries have a tech apprenticeship program where uh, two years of salaries are subsidized uh, up to 50%. And that means that more companies can start, on, start taking on junior talent quite quickly. Um, there's also huge support going into, uh, especially building the tech ecosystem uh, that allows um, more individuals to transition careers. So when I think about our our um, um, student base, uh, so to say, nearly seventy to eighty percent of our student base are career changes. There's a huge shift uh, happening um, of people transitioning from different careers into this into this huge opportunity that they can see. Um, we've had people from all sorts of backgrounds transition, whether they are, um, you know, pilots, musicians, uh, nurses, uh, magicians, all sorts of interesting backgrounds. Um, and this, uh, we need to make it easier for people to make that shift um, and choose this as a career. Um, mm. And whether we, we think about a woman coming back from, uh, from work uh, or from um, caring for the kids or parents have taken time out to spend with their kids and realize that the sector is moving at such a fast rate that they need to catch up. We need to create more short, fast-paced programs that allow constant reskilling and upskilling um, and not just not just to get into the sector, but to keep up with the sector. And so education plays such a big role in, in where this um, where the sector is going. It's almost, um, uh, it has to be in parallel with the growth the industry is experiencing. So for us, we want to keep up with both what the requirements of the industry are, but also the changing demands 
and the profile of the future of work and uh, and and the people uh, at the end of the day where they want to take their lives and careers. I love it. And it, it's good just when you think in a long-term perspective of how many good Kiwis can get upskilled to the world that is technology. So, hey, really appreciate you joining us on the show, Diana. Um, I have Shama from Mission Ready. Thanks so much for joining. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Uh, you too, Robert. Thank you. Roll in. Super cool. Um, I'm not just going to go on a quick vent for a second, but I just got to say it. I feel <laughs> that New Zealand dropped the ball so hard with COVID when the world was on pause and New Zealand was on go. We didn't have any commercial magnet of opportunity for any global company that wanted to send opportunity and business and, and money down here for, for us to be able to try and do something. We dropped the ball in terms of what we could have done using technology to bring in more money into the ecosystem tourism went to zero and we had this amazing technical opportunity that would have but i'm not saying replaced tourism because obviously you know you can't just do it overnight but there was a huge opportunity with um the country and i just don't want to see us potentially drop another ball as the world opens back up moving forward to the future so uh, let's be braver let's think about it and for those that aren't aware mate this world of tech it scales global you can have a million customers, cost you the same as one. And uh, it, it's cool just seeing the mind shift change when you watch these big businesses making, you know, billion-dollar companies, still staying local, going global, and staying right here in Aotearoa, which makes our country even better. Coming up after the break, it's banter with Bruce, Mr. Bruce Pilbrow. He is the CEO from Spirit of Adventure, and he's going to give us a few little, you know, what's been bubbling on his mind. Very smart man. He's going to be joining us on the show right after this. It is 12, oh, it's one thirty-seven. Almost coming to the end of the second hour here for a bit live episode three one five on today FM. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 today FM. Nothing like a good happy beat to get you rolling on this Saturday afternoon. One forty in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It's 6.40pm here in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. It's episode 315 of Rebet Live. Uh, you can check us out on todayfm.co.nz or you can download us on the go with a free Rover app from your smartphone. It's in your pocket. Get out there. Uh, if you want to troll me, you can ring me on 0800 todayfm or text me through on 3920. Uh, it's the time of the week where we catch up with Mr. Bruce Pilbrow. Uncle Bruce, he's the CEO of Spirit of Adventure and he joins me this time every single week to share a little nugget of wisdom um, from what's going on in his world with things that are bubbling away. So welcome to the show, Mr. Bruce Pilbrow. Kia ora, kia ora. So you're back home. Nice work. It's it's been a weird month. We've we've hung out, yeah. we've travelled, we're half around the world. A little stopover in Fiji. You know, we've we've it's it's been a big week, but you know we're here and we're rolling. You did all right. Yeah, it was good seeing you a couple of weeks ago, man. I loved it. Loved it. it was good to catch up again, eh? And f- actually, physically catch up. I mean, man, been crazy long time. Crazy long time. High fives and bears, man. I've definitely missed it. Two years being locked out through went for the green card and COVID and the lockdowns and the oh just absolute gong show. But it's it's cool to be mobile again, which is super cool. So um Mr. Bruce Pilbrow, you're a smart man. What's been on your brain this week? Well, I don't know if uh, you may have not seen it because I can't remember when you went home, but Patrick Gower Gower dropped a show on Monday night about booze uh in New Zealand. Um it was two, I think it was over two nights, actually, Monday and Tuesday night. So he was talking about the booze culture and, I guess, the impact of alcohol um, 
on on people, um, and particularly himself. He did it sort of from his personal angle. I think he's been sober for about eight weeks now, thereabouts. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about it, eh? Uh, mm. And I guess, I guess the thing I've been thinking about a little bit, because uh, I stopped drinking about 18 months ago, um, is kind of... I, have a chat today about vices, you know, kind of mm. how things can sneak up on us um, and really sort of under the radar almost topple us over um, mm. and very, very easily, um, especially when we're busy or we're under incredible stress like we have been over the last couple of years. So I don't know. What do you want to have a chat about, booze? <laughs> no, no, it's funny you say that. I was just actually messaging uh, Grant Caunter, who used to be XDB, who's a beerpreneur. He's the founder oh. of New Zealand's first ever um, uh, alcohol-free uh, zero. Oh, sorry, New Zealand's first zero alcohol brewery. Um, oh. and yeah, and a lot of the data. Where's he actually, from? Uh, he was XDB. Now he's uh, it's called State of Play. Um, yes, I had a, I had a six pack. I met him the other day. Oh, there you and, go. Uh, on the market. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he, he was um yeah um ex debris brewery, absolutely a good dude. I've known him for 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 a minute, and um he's basically now a beerpreneur. And there's this whole yeah. wave that's happening around you know zero alcohol. And if you look at Lisa King with AF, and you know this there's this yep. movement movement coming up. And I, I weirdly not ironically or whatever it is, but a lot of data has been coming out from a lot of the youth that are sort of coming up. It's not cool yep. just to go and get just demo trolleyed on a Friday like you would at the strip <laughs> like in, in early two, like the early 2000s in, in Manchester Street in Christchurch like it's it's not like the strip like it like it was um so now let's go there for a second maybe on the um the vices thing which is quite a different little tangent because you're obviously talking about being busy and CEOs and stuff yeah. where does your headspace go to there is it like the the vices of the routine and stuff or where do you sort of think yeah I, I guess I guess what I guess where I was going with it was as I sort of thought about during the week you know, and this is not a, a beat up on alcohol. Like, like this is kind of, I guess the bigger question I've got is what's coming into your life that is, that is probably not healthy or unhealthy and that's starting to take control. So it's starting to pull you away from relationships, starting to pull, pull you away from your family, from your kids, from your work. Um, and you, I mean, I don't know about you, mate, but when you have a bender, you tend to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you go through the guilt. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then you wake up the next morning and say to yourself, I'm never going to do this to myself again. And then, and then you soon forget that sort of two, three weeks later. But these mm. things, I mean, for me, um, coming into COVID, you know, um, 2020, I, you know, I was polishing a bottle of red wine by myself every night. Jeez. Some wine often, the, I know. Sending I know, it. I'm, well done. <laughs> well done or not well done? After a few, after was a few gins as well. <laughs> and and I, I sort of lied. It, was, it wasn't until someone actually said to me, hey, mate, you're hitting it pretty hard. And I said, yeah, I have been for the last couple of months. But actually, when I really had a good look at myself, I was actually doing it for two or three years. So so really what was happening is it was creeping into my life and it became the norm. And, and I just decided on the 1st of uh, January 2021 just to go, that's it. I just woke up the next morning and said, I'm not drinking again. I haven't done since. So that's, that's my story. But I guess... Um, I spoke to quite a few people over the last week, just had a couple of meetings with some other CEOs and leaders, and whether it's alcohol or other things, creeping into their lives that are just, I guess, bringing out un unhealthy behaviours. And um, so how do we face those, or how do we encourage each other? Is it okay for me to go, hey, Robert, I think you're hitting it a bit hard, bro. How can I help you through that? Um, and, uh, and I think it is. I actually think it is. If you're a good mate, that's what you do. You know, you, you put your brave underwear on, and you, and you pull your mate aside and you have a chat to them about it. So, 
funny you kind of say that. So I used to, you know, I used to collect... And this uh, is, by the way, this is not intervention for you today. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's funny you say that because I obviously collect whiskey in, in, in New Zealand. I've got, I'd like to argue, New Zealand's largest in-office whiskey collection. And for a, a while, a couple of years ago, I had the whiskey bottles at my house. And I didn't realise, and after about a month, wifey pulled me aside and was like, hey, do you know that you've drunk, like, you've had two, like, whiskeys every single night because the whiskey's been here? And I was like, what, really? She's like, yeah. And I was like, huh, okay. And the next day, I shifted it all to the office. And what I realised is that I'd got into a routine of my own life, not realising this thing just yeah. plugged in. And maybe it was, like, the escapism because, at, like, you know, 9 o'clock every night after the kids go down or whatever, I would watch Sports yeah. Centre. Right, I would watch yeah. Sports Center, and I would put my feet up and Scott Van Powell or whatever it may be, and I would have a routine with it. And I hadn't realised yeah. that then alcohol was in the house, like in a, a bunch of this whiskey. And I was like, okay, that's actually not good. So I shifted it all to the office. That's why it would just be at the office thing. But to your point, though, yeah. there's this intrinsic link between organic routine plus if yeah. you've got this need for escapism of something, you insert something in there. You know, the classic would Correct. be. Old mate, you know, girlfriend breaks up with old mate, he goes beast mode and he goes to the gym flipping seven days a week at 5 a.m. and he just goes hard and he just gets yoked. They insert the escapism through routine. So I think you're not, there's something on there. medication, right? Yeah, so so I guess guess if alcohol becomes, or whatever it is for you, for me it was alcohol, so I'll talk from that perspective. So when it becomes a, a routine, then it becomes a habit and then it becomes a... I guess a vice that I have to have, then then, I, then I've got a problem, right? And to be fair, you know, I had a bunch of crap going on my, on my life since it was four years ago, and so if I had to be really honest with myself and with you guys, you know, I was actually effectively self-medicating, right? So I was trying mm-hmm. to whenever I felt a bit uncomfortable or in a bit of pain, then it's easier for me just to to, to bottle down a bottle of red wine. So that's my story, and, I, and look, I'm not going to put that on other people. You've got your own story, but. I guess the question I'd be saying or asking yourself is kind of going, you know, are you living your fullest life right now to the absolute best? And what's in your life right now, whatever it is for you, you know, because I know, I know guys who are gym rats seven days a week and they never see their family. So that might be what it is yeah. for you. You know, chasing those perfect abs, which will disappear in your 50s <laughs> anyway. So get over it, you know. Um, but whatever it is for you, I guess if it's becoming an unhealthy um, vice, I think vice is a great word, um, where starting to take control of your life then then i think somehow you need to face it and um and sometimes there's a good mate that comes alongside you and says hey dude i love you man i think you're great you know um but i i love you so much that i'm going to tell you that i don't think this is cool and i'm here to mm. walk on the journey with you whatever that whatever that looks like um and that often takes a bright a lot of brevity some not brevity so someone to be brave to do that um but god isn't it worth it otherwise what's the point of being a mate you know yeah, no, and it's it's knowing the, what part of that is, right? So there's also that I've had to deal with is, you know, I've kind of got this mini OCD thing. So if I'm driving for more than two hours or whatever, or if I'm traveling, <laughs> I need to have a thing of Tic Tacs with me. And then if I'm going long, I need these Eclipse Mints or whatever it is, and I need this drink or a Powerade <laughs> and whatever. And I've got this a, a kind of system, right? I've got a system for I'm going to navigate a six-hour drive to flipping Disneyland so the kids can get stoked and do whatever. And those things yeah, are fine, <laughs> but then... If you flip it on the other side, pro to your point, you know, old mate that's, you know, self-medicating by going to the gym seven days a week and never sees his whānau, he's on a different thing. He's got a system, whatever. And, and, and so it almost feels like the the friends of those around you to figure out, okay, what are good things is the system or routine yeah. or what are bad things yeah. around escapism from either a hard conversation or a relationship or things that are going on or whatever it is. Yeah. So how, does yeah. this maybe come back to, like, friendships in circle? Like, how do you think about 
that that nicks the then what, right? Well, I mean, I guess I guess the other thing I try to do is, and I think you do the same, is you kind of look around your friends and you have different types of friends, right? So you have friends that you give to, friends that take from you, and then friends that are mutually beneficial, right? And I, and I kind of go, you don't want to get one of those too much out. So if you've, if you've only got friends that you give to and you get nothing back, then that's out of balance, right? And if you've only got mm. friends that give to you but you don't give back, then that's out of balance. So for me, it's looking at those friends that are mutually beneficial. Like, you know, when you and I catch up, I know I get a lot out of you as, as you do out of me. So it's a mutual beneficial relationship. And they're the, they're the closer relationships, the ones where you go deep really fast. Mm. And they're the relationships that you would talk. Like, I, I know that you would talk to me and I would talk to you if you thought there was behavior or something going on in my life or your life that we kind of thought, oh, that's not the Bruce I know. Um, I'm going to have a chat to him about it. And I'd take it from someone like you. So I guess the thing is, yeah, who do you talk to? And you've got to be, you've got to be looking for those relationships that are, that are genuine and not transactional, but deeply mutual, mutually beneficial. Um, and, um, uh, you know, you just don't go and spout off to a whole bunch of people that you don't really know or whatever. So mm. I, think it's, I think it's a whole bunch of things. You know, look, uh, I was speaking to a guy last week who was struggling through some stuff, and, and he's facing it. He's stepped up. Um, it was affecting parts of his life, um, and he stepped up and he stepped into counselling and he stepped, he's come to some of his closest mates and had a chat to us about it. And I just walked away and thought, man, you are one brave dude. I have I have mm. huge respect for you because you're owning it, you're stepping into the pain, and you're dealing with it, and you're getting on with life, and you're going to become a better person because of it. And I only but love you more or respect you more for that. So on that point, though, right? Like I've got, um, I've no, no. It's 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 a it's a good little mini segue because there's you know times in you know things are getting dark, and I've got a bunch of whole crew. But there's even times I'm like, man, I don't even know if I want to talk to the crew that are close to me, or whatever. How do you think people yeah. who don't have a close and I've got a close circle, like I would like to think a pretty yeah. close circle. Yeah. So, how would you? What advice would you give to? Others, if they listen, that you know maybe don't have a circle and they don't have a crew that are really have your back. Because if it's tough enough yeah. to ask for help when you do have a crew, it's going to be ten times harder when you when you don't and you yeah. feel even more alone, right? How do you feel you navigate that? Yeah, and I can't speak for for you in the states, but um, but you know New Zealand as well. I mean, we are lucky in New Zealand that we do have um, lots of places that you can ring health lines and helplines and, and whatnot. You know, I mean, I know Youthline, for example, is awesome. You know, you can just mm. give them a call and it's non-judgmental. Yes, I, but but I think I'll just preference your question from one. It doesn't matter who you ask, whether you make a phone call or whether you talk to a mate or whether you talk to your boss or whatever it is. You still, it is still a massive step and a very, very difficult step for someone to make. Um, I know mm. often they say, if you talk to AA and those sorts of groups, when someone steps forward and admits they've got a problem, then that's the first step to healing. So, you know, I don't underestimate how hard it is to ask, but I guess as a society, you know, even the shows like what we're talking about right now, Rivette, is kind of going, actually, we're giving you permission to get out there and do that, like, 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 um, I've only seen it pay dividends when someone steps into the breach and actually starts to face the challenges that might be in their lives. Um, it's not easy, but I've only usually seen success because often when someone does that, then they're on the pathway to, to success, whatever that looks like for them. Mm. Um, look, there's cases where it doesn't work, but I think, you know, I just think as a society, we need to say it's okay to go and get counselling. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out to your doctor. It's okay to reach out to your mates. And um, hopefully if you've got a good boss, it's okay to reach out to your boss. Mm. 
Um, I love it. You know, I've got guys good, that man. talk to me about talk to me about stuff all the time, and, and I feel really privileged that I've allowed myself as a boss to be open enough for people to share stuff. And then my first um, motive, um, motive operanda is to say, well, how can we help you through this? And, um, yeah, gets a better employer at the end, employee at the end of the day, my view. It's, ir- it's ironic and natural how it switches from personal to, to business and how it, they're all intertwined within it. So really appreciate you joining us today once again, Bruce. I, I like that we went a bit deeper this week, got into some stuff. It was, it was cool because I think there's a lot Anytime. of stuff that people can get some, um, some little insights from it. So enjoy the rest of the Saturday. As always, much love, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, cheers. Kaki Bye. There you go, Mr. Bruce Pilbrow. Man, he's smart. Deceptively deep. Corporate weapon. Big heart, big soul. This is Today FM Rebet Live, episode 315. Almost ended the end of the show. See you in a sec. It's Rebet Live on Today FM. Coming to the end of the show, 158 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, 658 here in San Francisco. What we learn today? We learned that. Sometimes you got to watch out between the escapism and the routine. Podcasts, three things to check out. Straight up, Queen Bee, Beatrice Famuna, Grey Ones, Petra Vegas, Taringa, Te Reo Māori. Books, check out two books. The Mom Test, Mom Test, M-O-M Test, and Teru Anuku. That was pretty good. What else did we learn? We learned that there's a whole bunch of this NFT scammery. Also, I'm going to pre- pre-thing it. There's a whole bunch of bad stuff happening in the startup and small business ecosystem from a bunch of bad actors and the great news is founders are starting to get brave speak up and bullying is not okay bullying in business is not okay and I'm super glad that there are more and more Kiwis that are feeling more empowered to do it thanks so much for everyone for joining in thanks for tuning in wherever you're at I appreciate I'm half around the world but I I love you all very much thanks for your time thanks for your ears I hope you've enjoyed the say I hope you've enjoyed the show and I will see you all soon